Hotel room sewed. I have to. Do you, do you guys know how to call the front desk? <laughs> no. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I, I need a plunger. <laughs> <laughs> Felix, I don't know. Like clogging the toilet. I will. Like okay. Out of all the places to clog a toilet, like you wouldn't think it would be here. No. You know. No. You like, do they th- take big duties or not? <laughs> American South. Uh, you'd think. I, I see. This is Atlanta, though. Yeah. This is like the sophisticated cosmopolitan Southern city. If we were in, say, Mobile, Alabama, okay, yeah. the throat of a toilet anywhere in Mississippi or Alabama is like like the size of a trash can. It's like basically. the, it's like the yeah. Holland Tunnel. Yeah. They've got to like, give you a lot of space. It's going to take doo-doos of all sizes. All right. All right. Well, figured out after this. Anyway, so <laughs> there's war in Europe. And, um, <laughs> first time in 25 years. Yeah, it's popping off, guys. Yeah. Yeah, history. Uh, history keeps be, happening. History seems to keep happening, yeah, and it's, yep. it's happening more and more. The most important part about it, though, and the thing that we can't forget, uh, is that uh, we were wrong about uh, Putin invading, and uh, that's the real tragedy: is that we got owned. Like, I'm glad we didn't like completely commit to it, but yeah, holy shit, the dumbest move he could have made. Add, I mean, added, adding probably at least 15 years of zombie consensus to NATO, making everyone love Zell Disney. Just a huge fuck up, massive. When yeah. it, when it when it was like, oh, he's just going into DPR. It was like the only people who are going to talk about that and like get mad about it are, you know, people who have had nine unpaid internships at yeah. different think tanks, and they'll do a sanction that doesn't really mean anything, and it will be done. Yep. But he, oh boy, did he step in it? He decided uh, to be legends. He decided to say, what's the point of having this stupid army that we've been spending all this money on uh, if we're not going to do something with it? Uh, You guys should um, check out. I'm actually working on a piece for the Atlantic Council. It's called Putin in Goblin Mode for real. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. I mean, like, it's. uh, You know, he took his breakup with Kanye pretty hard. So it's understandable. Well, I mean, yeah, it's. uh, What? It's like shelling Kiev right now. Like they're hitting it with missiles. Like the whole fucking country is. uh, I'm seeing online. It looks like a lot of those the the foreign fopo goblins are trying to pull up Benghazi now. They're saying like there's a column headed towards Kiev. What are we gonna do? Is this is the time? We have to do something. We have to do something. Right. They're hoping that people will sign on to a no fly zone. One of the most brilliantly named things in the history of the evil American foreign policy consensus. I mean, people who know what this is know this would basically mean a full-out hot war between the United States and Russia. I mean, it would mean that we would be on the hook for any escalation yeah. that happens after what that. What are you talking about? It's just a zone that you, <laughs> you yeah, can't, fly can't fly in. You're declaring yeah. a zone. He, he What's can, it? There's, what does that have to do with yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fighting? He can you still take cars. He can yeah. still yeah. trains. Yeah. Still you just available. say, yo, you can't fly there. Then they're like, yeah. oh, my bad. <laughs> that's Sorry. what it means. Yeah. It's like the door you can't go into the airport. You're like, hey, that's a no-walk zone. You're like, oh, Employees only. Yeah. I don't understand what the big deal is. But I mean, joke's on us because this is, they got what they wanted. This yeah, is exactly absolutely. what they oh, wanted. They're slathering. Oh, my they're God. Slathering. Oh, God. Yeah. Everyone no, is very it's just, happy. Um, like, look, I mean, like, uh, you know, if the people of Ukraine, like having your country invaded by Russia and like, you know, like this is there's there's no justification for this at all. I mean, this no. is just, I mean, like it, it is very cheeky of Putin to say, um, like, we must denazify Ukraine. I mean, you know how many fucking Nazis there are in Russia? Well, I mean, I love that because it's like, oh, they have a version of we're protecting women's rights in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has every everyone has something like that. But, um... I mean, I guess like the you know like it, it's like the the foreign policy the the foreign policy goals um like they're they're loving this but like because because you know they've been saying for years like you know oh like it's not a good thing if like America isn't a hegemon anymore but like I mean this history is happening and it does seem to be this crack up of you know like a, a unipolar world and what that really means is that other countries like not America can do the shit that we've been right. doing yeah but and, like, this really does feel like to me like the Iraq War and the reason I thought. Uh, that it wasn't going to happen is just because I was still under the idiotic uh, the delusion that we're still in a space where everyone understands that only America gets to act like that, like that that the whole point of uh, you know the post-Soviet world order is that America is the country that gets to exercise unilateral military discretion. Everyone else has to uh, triangulate off of what they will allow, and uh, what we're seeing is that you know it might look one way. When you're just inside your American bubble, but outside of it, people are making different conclusions and they're going like, look, I honestly think like for a lot of these countries like Putin and Russian 
everywhere else, increasingly, like things get worse, conditions uh, deteriorate, holds on power become more more perilous, and the 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 uh, rationale changes, and you get to a point where in your own mind or like in the minds of you know your top leaders or, or advisors it's more dangerous to keep obeying washing than to, to try to break out and see what you can do and and basically try to call the bluffs and also find out just how how resilient you are uh more than anything to the uh financial uh blowback that is going to come from it yeah, because that's, that's the real yeah, that, okay, that so like that has been. That Did has they been cut very them off from the SWIFT banking system? They cut off some Russian banks from the SWIFT banking system, from the SWIFT uh, like intercontinental payment system, but they have to keep some on because Europeans still have to pay for their gas. Right. What is interesting, and you know, right now it looks like, oh my God, this is the worst possible thing they could have done because in this moment, absolutely, this is the dumbest fucking thing they could have done. At the same time, in 2012 about, it looked like, how the fuck is Assad going to hold on? Right. Five years from now, maybe there's like a successful transition. It would, it would take like a generation to transition away from like the use of the U.S. dollar internationally. Probably 40, 50 years maybe. But if this causes something where China and Russia are like less dependent on U.S. dollars, I mean, Russia fucking has to be now. Yeah. But it causes something throughout the world where people are like, oh, they can just they can just totally shut you out this way. Um, but, I, saw, I, saw I mean, some... it's way easier said than done. And that'll be interesting to see in the next decade. Uh, another, another thing uh, in terms of like the, the economic price that's going to be um, uh, enacted on, on Russia, I saw just something before we started recording today, is that um, uh, Switzerland, Swiss banks have cut off Russian citizens from like, the, the, I don't think they froze their accounts, them. but like, they, like they're, they're cutting off all banking to Russia right now. And like, that's, you know, that that that's everyone's favorite place. What are you to supposed there, to do after gotten, you loot the country? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in terms of like, I it's 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 almost impossible to tell, at least from my perspective, because like, and I'm not I'm, I'm not an expert, but like certainly following the news or following things on Twitter, like w- what's actually going on in Ukraine, and like and like you know how successful or how bogged down like Russia may be. I mean, like there's all these videos of like basically teenage Russian soldiers who were just lost in the Ukrainian countryside, just being told like, go home asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? Um, but you know, I mean like, it seems like they made like a very rapid advancement. Now there's some speculation about whether they're being bogged down or not. And we were talking about this last night. And Felix, you said like, I'd look, I, I don't know if it's going like good or bad for the Ukrainians who are resisting this, this, this invasion, but like, it does seem weird that we've already seen like two or three major just straight up lies about like just just straight up like the 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 ghost of Kiev, uh, yeah. the Snake Island incident. It's just it seems like there's a lot of like because obviously like the whole media is you know rooting for uh, Ukraine and Zelensky, and it's sort of like I mean how could you blame them in this situation like this? But I mean there does seem to be like a lot of like a lot of like there's a lot of sustained efforts to like keep morale up. And, you know, people getting very angry when, like, you know, uh, the, 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 those narratives come into question. It is pretty wild how uh, this is, you know, a full blanketed, mul- uh, the first European war in the social media era. And uh, somehow that makes it absolutely impossible to figure out what the fuck is going on. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, MGS, too. It is the deluge, uh, the deluge of too much information. Yeah. That will confuse you rather than censorship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. I feel like in the first two weeks of a war, especially, you cannot really evince anything just from being on Twitter, or Telegram, or fucking yeah, anything. Yeah, I have no fucking idea. I could not happening. tell you. I could not tell you. I, I could tell you that I. It's probably not an amazing sign when they're letting prisoners out if they have military experience and giving everyone guns. And I don't think that it's leads to anything like a last great in the long type run. Move, yeah. But again, how. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. At the end, the end of the day, I'm just another asshole on my yeah, phone. Yeah, we're ab- absolutely just some assholes out here. Right. We don't. We don't know, and we didn't think w- this would happen. So what did we know? Yeah, exactly. But, like we're in. Yeah. We're in. We're at the moment. It seems like honestly, yeah, like Trump was the real like opening of the seal where something is on the horizon. Something is like a possibility, but you just assume things work a certain way, and you're not going to be disabused of it until something just breaks through that perimeter and and you couldn't have you couldn't really have been asked to expect to to assimilate like the real possibility of it just because from your vantage point uh it seemed like things had to be much more rotten than they appeared as you know relatively comfortable americans and it turns out 
at every level you put a little pressure on and all of the struts just snap like fucking uh toothpicks yeah well i mean who not like who not maybe putin everyone yelled at this woman but i thought this was as good a theory as any that putin has long covid or has convinced himself he has long honestly COVID. <laughs> if he has long covid or yes he's like got some yellow wallpaper situation just living in the kremlin alone and like talking to guys across 500 foot long tables yeah. and it, he's like just going nuts and he presses the button and we get nuked COVID doomsayers vindicated. Yeah, Eric Fingelding. And Fingelding, you're the, you're anybody the new- who's been yelling about pandemics for the last two years, everyone's been yelling at us for going on tour. Correct. You're right. It was, COVID ended up being a huge deal. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Fingelding, we hope that you are the uh, Lord Humongous <laughs> of the new future. <laughs> He's um, going to enforce uh, COVID zero by any means necessary. Yeah. I, I love... Putin being a like personal COVID scold is so funny. Yeah, it's just, they're coming into our country to make us gay, and <laughs> if you don't wear two N95s, you're killing people. <laughs> like, it's the guy we've been looking for, the prince that was promised. Yeah, that that's why he invaded Ukraine. Their mask regimens and vaccination rates were too low. That was <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's some really good posts about that too. Um, but yeah, no, it is. We, we just, should have learned our lesson from 2016 yeah. that the the impossible will happen yeah. and you will be left holding your dick. Yeah, I mean, my main reason to to, to have resisted uh, the uh, claims that Russia was going to invade, one, I assumed, yeah, that like Putin was a rational actor and it, because it's not, it seemed like a very reckless and bad idea to do. But once again, who knows how fucking bad it is in Russia? Who knows how barely held together his coalition yeah. of oligarchs is? You know, he he very well could be acting what he thinks of as an irrational yeah. way. A lot of uh, a lot of guys are snaking him. Yeah, people are <laughs> people are making cryptic cryptic posts. They're sort of subbing each other. Yeah. Um. Everyone's favorite guy, Oleg Derpina, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> is uh is speaking out. Um. Who right? Who knows the internal calculus right. that went into this? But it's something name, we yeah. cannot see. But the reason I thought he wouldn't do it is. Because the fucking government kept telling me, yeah, yeah, and I was like, yeah. I'm not gonna fucking believe you because if it doesn't happen, then I look like a fucking douchebag. Right. I would rather be wrong, not believing you, than look like I'm eating a bird seed out of your palm. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it's usually like all things being equal, um, betting against what the U.S. State Department is telling you, they're just choosing the exact opposite. You rarely go wrong with yeah. that. Let, let's, but, not for, let's not forget they told us that a microwave gun gave them Yes! Gave them that was their last big poisoning. push. It's like, yeah. Putin is uh, going to invade Ukraine. Also, he's cooking our organs with long-distance microwaves. Yeah, come on now. He's giving us tactical stomach aches. What if that turned out to be completely true? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I wouldn't feel bad about that because like being being that wrong about something like that because i've said like i hope it's true yeah no like, right. that, that's that's my it, yeah. I, I didn't i wasn't hoping that russia was going to invade ukraine i do hope that the microwave weapon is true right. and that they are giving uh state department spooks uh headaches i mean it does make you wonder if they do have it why aren't they deploying it in ukraine like why aren't they circling kiev with it and then like making doing like uh the brown note and making everybody shit their pants with with uh, simultaneous microwaves. So Maybe it, they are. Who knows? It seems like in the first two days, uh, this caught everyone sort of off balance, and off balance both in like what the what the push in Western media would be, but also for China, because yeah. right when this happened, China was kind of like, "What the fuck? Yeah, are you see? Are you serious? Are you serious?" And now, now you know things are coalescing. The, the Chinese media is more now like. Hey, they have to do this. This is like, yeah, this is what it is. Um, I mean, if you're China, you want to protect a country like Russia's ability to exercise its own discretion in this kind of way so that you can do that too. Right. Because like the alternative really is like the alternative that the the offer that the West had to Russia really was, we're just going to suffocate you and there's nothing you can do about it. Like, and then with that on the table, then, you know, why wouldn't you eventually just flip it over? Right. Right. And it's, I, it's completely irresponsible to talk about this without talking about both the '90s and eastward NATO expansion. Yeah. Um, well, no, actually, you know, it's, you know, it's irresponsible to talk about right, those things yeah. now because now is not. Look, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can all delineate like exactly what role the like America and NATO has played in all this, but not now, <laughs> yeah. not now. 
not when the consequences of those actions are. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And there are so many things like, I mean, just like just, just, just observing the news right now, like and I've largely been mostly trying to avoid it because there are so many things that are just, I think, intentionally designed to drive you insane. Like, for instance, Condoleezza Rice on Fox News today saying, look, when you invade a sovereign country, that's a war crime. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really, Condi? Thanks for, for that. And it just, you know, we talked a little bit about the show last night, but it's just like the brigades of fucking like amateur fucking uh, war wonks who are fucking all like chiming in with their fucking suggestions on how to how to yeah. do guerrilla war um, against like a Russian army. They're like, yeah, you know, uh, learn from our experience in Iraq. Like, you know, these tanks like they can they can bog you down in an urban environment. Um, just like replace the road signs and make them drive down streets where the the, the, the sidewalks can't support them and they'll end up in the sewer. And like they're trapped. driving through the country yeah. like Clark Griswold <laughs> through the huge map out. Uh, you can disable a tank with a with a with a with a water balloon filled with paint. Yeah. It's just like it's just like I mean, look, like obviously, like it, there's a natural inclination to um, uh, feel feel some sort of uh, solidarity or admiration for like the people who are having their country invaded and they're resisting it by any means they can. But it's just there's something ghoulish about people in america who are like rooting for a situation in which uh like what like they, they want they want kiev to be like what baghdad was for 10 years like it's just it's well not- i mean they may get their wish regardless of how the push goes yeah. because i mean there has been a massive inflow of weapons into the country um weapons have been given out pretty freely one thing that you will not see a lot of on cnn is that there are very unfortunately, like firefights between irregulars and military and police in Ukraine, uh, it is a really shitty, chaotic situation. And obviously, the onus falls on Russia for invading, but the, there there are going to be massive consequences for this. Even if this ends, God willing, tomorrow, there will be massive consequences in Ukraine and DPR for a long fucking time as a result of this. Well, uh, I think that the tide... Uh, is going to turn Ukraine's way soon, uh, if it hasn't already, because uh, apparently there, there's talk of uh, some sort of international volunteer brigade, people in the West just going. They've said that they're going to waive visa requirements for people who want to fight. And uh, I really do think <laughs> the this Joe is... Joe Biden international brigade. Yes, this is, this is the branded international. <laughs> this is the chance for everybody who spent the Trump years gnashing their teeth and foaming at the mouth about Russia and what they did to our country. If you really believe that, this you can literally get payback. Do you think that like sci-fi writers named like at whiskey fuckery are gonna sign off? <laughs> I mean, if they're serious yeah. about their posts, they should do it. Yeah. Uh we need to see Chuck Windig on the front lines. I think Chuck Windig could be like an enemy at the gates type figure. Yeah. But this it'll be just like when uh during World War II when uh Franco did not want to uh, join the Axis and he had all these really fervent phalangist youth who really wanted to fight the Soviets. He just formed a division of them and sent them to do, uh, the Eastern Front to freeze to death outside of Leningrad. Azul, uh, Division yeah, Azul. Division Azul. And we could do that with like the most... That's the color they wore at the end. The most annoying uh, Brandon uh, posters of, available. Put them out there. Yeah. Those stupid kids. <laughs> yeah, They I, certainly were the blue division when all was said <laughs> <yes>. and done. <laughs> Um, I guess like another thing you're talking about is like, uh, okay, because uh, you know Trump was at CPAC, right? Yeah, yes. Trump was at like CPAC's going on right now, and like it, it's sort of like it's it's a hard line for them to tell here because Trump is like you know he's like Mr. Putin's a very crafty guy. He's, 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 he's I understand him say I understand him more than anyone else, uh, and and then he did say, uh, and I think I mean for the he's right for the wrong reasons, but I, when he said that like you know. There was no Russian invasion when I was president. I mean, it's like I mean yeah. you can't argue with that. I mean, like, you're, you're cheat. You are cheating when you only do one term. But Brandon has only done one term. It's true. Yeah. The first term, Brandon had it. Obama had to wait for the second term for them to uh, invade Crimea, and it was second term at the very end of second term of Bush when they uh, invaded Georgia. Yeah, back before everyone was on the internet and McCain could go, "Hey, everyone's a Georgian," and everyone was like, "No, we're not." <laughs> that was. See that is very funny because yeah. that was like the the first real uh, flex of military muscle uh, by Putin in the face of America's uh, you know hegemony, uh, and no one really gave a shit because we didn't have for one reason we did not have social media yet the way that we do now. Mm-hmm. It was just like what Georgia what where what there's a country called Georgia what that and then we all forgot about it, but that's not going to happen now. It's already it's now now half of this country has decided that we're, hashtag we're all Ukrainians now. 
even though they could not literally couldn't find it on a map. No, you, no one was into this country before that. No That's one. what I hate. These are this is reminds me of when the Sixers were <laughs> doing their thing, or not the, the the Eagles. I don't give a shit about the but like Philadelphia everyone, too. people who live on the opposite side of the country are like. Um. Oh, I'm a I'm I'm epic in Philadelphia. Go go Eagles, and it's like you're not even you've never even you're been to Atlantic City. There. You ain't never had a freaking. Yeah. You ain't never had one of those. Uh, you never those, ate horse manure. You never had around. horse manure. Yeah, you've never go, gone into a dumpster jacuzzi <laughs> like they do in Philadelphia summers. <laughs> you've never eaten a racist cheesesteak in yeah. your life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, no. I was, I was gonna say like just, just in terms of uh, like Trump, and it's just like you know. Uh, he he's sort of playing footsie with it. I mean, I I still think he's going to run again in twenty twenty four. And he, he was said just, he was. He said he's like, whatever. I'm, we're going to do it a third time. I went twice. Going to win the third time. Going to do it a third time. But uh, Matt, like I think you said the other day, is like like as as these sort of like crises, uh, you know, capitalism and just like the global order begins to um, crack and just sort of fall apart. Uh, what you said is like every kind of like developed country will eventually have their own Trump style leader. Yeah, when it, where. All of the institutional structures that support someone's ambition and that inform their understanding of like best interests and self-interest are going to fall away, and it's just a just a giant ball of ego, per total personal uh, rule, uh, exercising control, uh, and I think like Putin kind of has turned into that. Like by by being in charge for so long, he's detached really from reality, uh, and now. Uh, he's making he's making moves, and uh, I think yeah, everyone's gonna do it so far. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, President Xi if he is like continues to resist that personification of power and like keeps building up like the party as like a meaningful structure of rule, uh, or whether or not if that's not viable in the long term, who knows? I think yeah, the future is. I'm trying to predict the immediate future. I can see sort of a a future for Zelensky where, you know, hopefully this ends very soon. Um, but after it ends inside Ukraine, it's a very different situation than Americans comfortably watching where it's like, Oh yeah, you were down to 20% approval ratings for a reason before this. And when people stop paying attention, you know, he loses the next election. I think things generally get worse. Uh, Russia and maybe some other countries start moving I mean, Russia is moving off the dollar by force, but maybe people really start looking at how easy it is to get completely obliterated by sanctions in that way. What do you guys but make? Nothing, nothing, nothing good from the massive and unaccountable flow of weapons from the West into Ukraine. If well, Zelensky is removed from power, uh, he could come to America and do U.S. Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be the only person that well, would have been on two different versions of it. I mean, like, I was going to say, like, what do you guys make of, um, like, Zelensky? Because, like, he, he is now, like, the most celebrated figure in the world yeah. right now. Like, everybody's rooting for him. Everyone is, um, you know, louding his bravery for staying in the country. Like, even after, I think, America gave him the opportunity to, you know, flee. Yeah. Um, so one Ukrainian Jew gets celebrated for never leaving his house, <laughs> but another gets pilloried for it. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, he certainly has a career in this country. If he ever has to leave the country or gets uh, deposed or whatever, uh, but yeah, like, like every, he he he's the hero of the world right now. Absolutely. Um, we're just like it, just like, and I I think it's just because like uh, at least it's just, I'm, in terms of America, like the way like Americans think about this and the way like he's being portrayed in the media, it just seems to be like whatever whatever you make of of his heroism, like put that aside, like in terms of, like this that's for Ukrainian concerns, but for America, it does seem to be this way where it's just like. We we need a heroic figure to we provide need a hero. An, we need, like, to provide an example of like what we what we like the, the values that we hold up as like what well, what makes like a great leader someone rising to the occasion because we don't we don't have we, we, we just been chasing that in this country we, we yeah we're holding out for a hero we need a streetwise Hercules <laughs> and Zelensky right now is just like like it's what it's what everyone wishes the president were like right you know like no matter whether it's true or not. Or whatever, like all the, you know, this is this is not like about reality. This is about like what we project, like our our, our fantasy of sort of like a, a heroic leader, like you know, fighting with his soldiers or whatever. Because the characters that we've had running this country <laughs> are just like, does does anyone think that they would like not you know, yeah. I uh, could like see, not save their own I, ass? Okay. Or, I, I could see, I could see Brandon like Mister Magooing his way <laughs> through an active war zone. Yes, <laughs> just sort of like he walks up and like a. Uh, a steel girder falls and he walks up it and it teeter totters the other direction and falls into a pit. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, Trump, like, no way. No, no. no. Obama, nope. Nope. Uh, George W. Bush, maybe, probably not. No. Bill Clinton, nope. H.W. H.W. might get the chopper. Yes. But just, would, just just because it's an opportunity to kill somebody. Right. Well, that's the thing is that he like he would probably he would be doing like, hey, uh, where where do I uh, like unleash the biological weapons? Like, can yeah. I can I be in charge of turning the spigot on? Yeah. Uh, going all the way back to Reagan. Reagan first four years, absolutely not. He's an actor. Reagan after about eighty five, <laughs> he does not know where he is and he thinks he's in a movie. So yes, and Carter, I can see him doing it maybe. Yeah, that that does seem like the kind of move, like the chump move of like getting your ass shot for no good reason that he yeah. would do. No, uh, but I'm saying this like, have you guys seen that thing? I was like, I, I forget like who was the author of this, but it was like contrasting Zelensky and Bernie, and it was like, which type of Jew are you? Yeah, it was it was the, stop anti-Semitism. So it was like, yeah, like uh, the the heroic kind or or the or the evil miser, you guys <laughs> wearing mittens and, and looking yeah. sullen. Yeah, the guy who's mad that his in-app Starbucks coupons did not work today. <laughs> All right, uh, enough about Ukraine. Um, we were wrong. You were right. Um, so please celebrate that fact. I hope it makes you feel good. Um, but okay, let's let's let's, let's switch gears for a second. Uh, let's talk about what we've been up to on tour. Let's talk about what we were up to today. Yes. Because okay, we're in Atlanta right now doing a hotel room episode. We're in Atlanta, but we just spent the whole day. At the Atlanta Zoo, so we've got some got some animal facts and animal reporting for you. Um, it's you know maybe maybe just like sort of a cleanse your palate from the the grim the grim state of affairs in the yeah. world today. Um, but I, first of all, I want to shout out a friend of the show Emma yeah. at, at Hyenas and Gin on Twitter. Uh, she works at the Atlanta Zoo. Uh, she came to the show last night and uh, sort of escorted us around uh, the zoo today, including arranging an elephant encounter for us. So all of us this afternoon. We got to meet Kelly the elephant. Boys, folks, Kelly, <laughs> she's being recognized more and more. She's an amazing creature. We love her. The trunk, trunk game out of this world. <laughs> 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 Kelly, incredibly charismatic. Just, just an amazing elephant. What can you say? Well, yeah, no, it's like we, we were like, we, we, we were inside the elephant building. And, you know, Ke- Kelly, they have their like, they have their big indoor paddock. And, you know, Kelly was, you know, she was, we were we were separated by like like a you know I don't know about like like five yards like she was behind behind bars we we couldn't have like a we couldn't have like a a truly VIP elephant experience where we could like you know uh, <laughs> you know ride her touch her and things like that you know but for obvious reinsurance yeah. reasons uh, that was not allowed. Uh, Emma mentioned that you have to go to Thailand for that. Uh, okay, yeah. I'm pretty sure they let you do that in the like the UAE. Well, um, we did get to, we get to, we got to feed Kelly though, and I just like from the my immediate impressions about being that close to an animal as majestic as, you know, like a, a full-grown uh, female African elephant. Uh, the first thing I would notice about them, uh, their eyelashes are so big and oh beautiful. Oh, my goodness. They have these huge eyelashes, and, and like, they're, they're very bushy, like, huge, long, uh, like, sort of uh, spindly, fibrous eyebrows. But but her eyes were so, were, were very human-like, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, we've talked about it before, but the elephants are weird because when you look at them and you get a full appreciation of their size it's like an alien creature it's hard for your brain to conceive of a mammal that big but in their aura and their attitudes and how they act and their eyelashes incredibly human yeah um we got to yeah we got to like uh just sort of hand her lettuce and like the elephant's trunks are so cool they have such like one of the animal facts that uh, one of the keepers told us is an elephant has more muscles in their trunk than the entire human body does. Yep. And they like, and they can pick up like, uh, uh, she said that they they've picked, they've picked up Skittles off the floor. Yeah. Or they can pick up a dime yeah. off the floor with one of those trunks. It's not just for, you know, like, uh, some big, you know, sack of sack of apples yeah, or lettuce they, or whatever. She, at one point she, uh, like blew water out of it. Oh which, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a crop. <laughs> yeah. That, and, that was uh, great. And, like with suction, just held a ball. That was incredible. That was she cool. palmed a basketball with her trunk. Yeah. Uh, like the cool thing you notice about the zoo when you go there, when it isn't especially crowded and it's optimal conditions, is that a lot of animals, if they're being kept in good conditions, as these animals were, they had a lot of space and enrichment, that they kind of enjoy performing for people in the right circumstances. She this was up for it. I mean, who knows? But yeah. we're all just deciding. That she had a good time. <laughs> well, I think I think I mean 
they, as Emma told us, they are freely able to quit in the middle of that, and Kelly did not. Yeah. But I'm thinking also the orangutans. Oh, the orangutans were amazing. Yeah, they were wonderful. My favorite of the yeah. large uh, of the apes. Yeah. Uh, and they really they, they brought it. I, I every got to say it was like it was very uh, unusual. I think part of it Emma said is that we it's that the temperature most people including myself have ever been to the zoo you go during the summer and it's really hot. Most of the animals are like fuck this and they're not moving around. But it's 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 like it's a crisp it's like, like 60 degrees today, yeah. So that means that they're out they're spunky. We saw like basically everything we every animal we saw was like moving around doing And it was stuff. like right in front of us. Yeah, like, and these orangutans were like using the Using the ropes, uh, walking right up to us, just giving us giving us uh, a a a deeply humane appraisal, uh, and uh, probably uh, secretly making fun of us. I have to assume. Yeah, probably. Well, it's like when you when you make eye contact with like a, a great ape like that, you can't help but like sort of feel the the intelligence uh, working in their minds, and it's a real question of like you know who's who's watching who, like yeah. uh, you know who's who's really uh, in <laughs> yeah. the zoo. Yeah, mm-hmm. who's, yeah, exactly. Orangutans are incredibly intelligent. I will say that they um, have an aptitude for taking human objects and using them the right way. They display a very human like curiosity around other animals and even other apes. Um, they are when people when there's a law given in any type of conservancy, they'll let orangutans hang out with them because they're both like they're both uh, brachiating apes, and the orangutans aren't especially like prickish or territorial, and they'll get fascinated by the law givens and go, "What's what's going on with this guy?" We saw we saw the lemurs who were incredible as always. Lemurs are great. They had like several different lemur species in one enclosure, and they were all getting along very well. It's it's uh, if the lemurs could do it, folks, maybe we can. <laughs> well, that, that is something cool that Emma told us was that the the first ring-tailed lemur that was introduced acted as a diplomat between the ring-tailed and the more uh the panda-like pattern ones. Yeah, I forgot their name. The panda itself, incredible. Oh, the panda. Okay. This is the best. Like, uh, the Atlanta Zoo is one of three zoos in America that has pandas. Um, we saw a bunch of them. There. Like, you know, usually, uh, we, we just see one of them that were very, very sedentary. And I think people, people like pandas so much because um, they're, they're, they're such goofballs. And I think people read, I mean, at least I certainly do. I see a lot of myself. I, I just like their, their laziness and their goofiness. Yeah. They're, they're silly. They're, they're, they like yeah. to be silly. And we saw this one guy. Who was uh like most of the, most of the pandas were just like statues, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they were just doing lying shit. around, <laughs> like, just yeah. absolutely like you're not paying me enough to get me to move. <laughs> but like yeah, like you said, Matt, like that's what I would be like. Absolutely, if I was, like you know, uh, Billy Pilgrim and uh yeah, in Slaughterhouse Five. Yeah, being, that's that's why pandas are very relatable. Like, what would you do? You would just find a way to minimize exertion at all spectrum. But there was one dude. Who was like doing the, like these circles? He was doing laughs. We saw him do a somersault. Yep, and then he would just like kind of post up in the corner and show his balls to everybody. <laughs> he ruled. He was great. And there were freaking tight ti- uh, lions, three like full grown adult lions with the mane and everything, and they all just like showed up and they were just standing there, all like kind of in a row looking at us. The that big cats cool. were very gregarious. Yes. The big, all big cats were ready to show out. Yeah, they were all like they were all up in our grill, which is another thing that is not always uh, you can't always uh, count on when you go. Yeah, to no, the we zoo. we had we had like just perfect unobstructed views of some of so like you know the 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 top tier the the money makers yeah. for any zoo. You got your pandas, gorillas, orangutans, lions, yeah. tigers, your charismatic elephant, megafauna. the charismatic megafauna, the 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 top earners for yeah. the zoo. Yeah, the more the the, the Cadillac of animals. Yes. Um. Yeah, and it was a, a perfect day, perfect day at the zoo. Yeah, uh, the uh, you said there were also a ton of gorillas. I had no idea they had like a whole. Yeah, they have the largest collection of gorillas, of gorillas in America here at the Atlanta Zoo. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, thankfully, like at first, it was a family, uh, and it was a bunch of juveniles, and including a really cute little two-year-old guy. Uh, but like the silverback was off, and you couldn't really see too much. But then there's another enclosure with two two silverbacks and thankfully got to like just get the full look at their incredible asses they're astounding just they're so caked yeah it's like they o- they've only done deadlifts for 30 years yeah. straight. yeah you just look at the the powerful haunches 
of a of a gorilla, and you just got to respect it. And totally vegan. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Vegan gains are possible. Yeah, they. Um, I mean, their their treat is tree bark. Yes, they love tree bark. <laughs> apparently, that's their big thing. Yeah, we saw a still an old older silverback because the um the retired silverbacks uh they have a separate enclosure. We saw one of those uh big caked up gorillas walk away and. It was almost like this tree branch that he brought with him was his jewel. (laughs) (laughs) His ass turned to us. Yep. And I just selected Felix was like, yep, yep. You get me. Yeah. I, um, I also do not want the smaller animals to go unheralded. Uh, the meerkats, delightful always a delight little buddies just zipping around what was, what was the one that was like a cryptid it was like a crossing a capybara and like a jackrabbit oh yeah, yeah. that's wild yes it's south american uh rodents and it does it looks like a scaled down capybara with bunny ears uh and it looked yeah nothing i'd seen before very cool oh and then also um the uh the the great hornbills the big orange beaks and emma told us that uh, sometimes they will eat squirrels yeah squirrels yeah. Like, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're, they're just, you know, just regular Georgia squirrels. They wander into the wrong enclosure and like they, they, all of a sudden this fucking orange faced dinosaur just swallows. Yes. Them. It's this giant black bird with a like a three pronged orange beak. That's like it's enormous. Yeah, it's huge. And you could just imagine some poor schmuck squirrel getting eaten and just thinking, I didn't have that on my bingo card. <laughs> uh, Mondays, am I right? You know, you start out winning the squirrel lottery. Being in a state like Georgia, yeah. where there's tons of fried doughs and treats to pick up <laughs> off the ground, and then you just you have to get greedy and wander in to be killed by a by a three tier build bird <laughs> <laughs> that is not native yeah. to this part it's of like the this, world. Like this, I was not. I'm not. That's not fair. I don't need to be prepared for this motherfucker. Like going out your going out of your house and a fucking uh, velociraptor just jumps on you. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, there's another thing we did on the way into Georgia though that was very cool. I think Chris is the one who uh, found out about this town that we went to. I didn't. Uh, didn't Shannon, uh, Shannon. Shannon? Yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out yeah. to other friend of the show, Shannon Strucci, yeah. also from Atlanta. We also hung out with her. I had no idea about this. There's a town north of Atlanta in like the in the Gold Hills uh, that called Helen. That is a like a German village. It's like designed to look like an alpine sort of bavarian town and it, it, they really go for it like they got a little square they've got a beer hall they've got uh, all the buildings with like the half timbers and stuff and we were like damn this is pretty cool and you know we had uh, some sausage it was great but we're like how does this happen and then uh my girlfriend amber looked it up and it turns out that in 1968 uh after the logging that had sort of kept the town going uh, dried up they just had a town meeting and they're like well what are we gonna do and somebody's just like let's just make it german let's just let's and then people will come and see it uh, and i gotta say it seems to be working because like it was what like a sunday or something yeah like in the like in february and it, it was fucking packed and the, people yeah, were the, loving it and these were not these were not crowd americans Absolutely. we know that we said every white american is a crowd yeah. um no, these people had the Marjorie Taylor Greene phenotype. Yep. A lot of them, yep. these were the least German Americans, and they were coming out because anyone can enjoy being German. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And that's always been true. It's true. How can you not? How can you get mad at these people? You know, they made mistakes. So has everyone else. <laughs> yeah. But how many other cultures have giant fucking pretzels the and pre- like yeah. compete on how large of a beer they can give you? These are all and have later hosen, some of the most comfortable clothing on earth. I, I I really want some man. There was one dude who had like a really good set, and I was Do like, "You know how long I've been trying to get Catherine to dress like a like a, like a bar wench, <laughs> like the Saint like, Pauli like, girl, yeah, Saint Pauli girl." Yeah. yeah, I will say that uh, Germany is the only foreign country I've been to where they serve Amerifat portions. That's true. Yes, that's the other thing. If you're an American, is, it, is Germany's not going to skimp on you. You're not going to get like three slivers of hamon, uh, like in Spain or something, or or like a little a little crocket of uh, French onion soup, you're going to get a fucking uh, a pretzel the size of a car steering wheel. Uh, <laughs> and and then, yeah, like just a coiled uh, sausage that takes up an entire uh, Frisbee. Great time. And, yeah, I think more towns should do this. They should just, because there is an absolute limitless number of American towns whose economic engine has uh, shuddered to a halt. Just 
decide to become another country. Yeah. It's uh, usually when that happens, usually when they're like, oh, uh, we, we moved our uh, rubber band factory to like a country that doesn't have a flag. Um, <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, we should we should take all the money we we're going to give to the hospital and give it to Uber. So they put an office here. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's like Pittsburgh. That's a lot of places. What you really should do is make a, just become a theme town for just throw a dart at a map because yeah. you don't have to be that thing. No. You can turn Altoona, Pennsylvania into little Indonesia. That would be All great. of you can be Pennsylvania Dutch and none of you are Indonesian. You can still do it if you, you know, read a few books. Schenectady, New York. Um, we're Lisbon now. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're a Portugal style town. I mean, my God, I've wanted to see Balinese, authentic Balinese puppetry my entire life. I'm not going to Sumatra. Get out of here. But yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania, that's doable. Yeah. Stockton, California. Why cannot not? Why can it not become Hokkaido, <laughs> California? <laughs> Will had a great idea for like a Meiji era yeah, like theme a, town. Sort of like like a Meiji restoration era Japan. Um, that's I'll just say um, a date in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you if that, but imagine like that one specifically. That's a guaranteed moneymaker. Like if you if you really committed to you know we're we're a town ordinance. All, all, the, all, all, the, are all the doors now. are sliding. A <laughs> uh, paper and wood only. Fuck, fuck the fire codes. Oh, dueling is legal in one part of the town. You can, like, sword duel someone. Yeah. I would love... Oh, man. But, like, how many fucking... Uh, I would go. Yeah, exactly. And how many other enthusiastic uh, weebos would make a fucking beeline to an American uh, Japanese town? If I had a girlfriend, I would take her there. Absolutely. And just, uh, break up with her there. And yeah. be like, you have to find your own way home. Yep. Uh, I mean, most towns already do that in, like, miniature where... Uh, Every city has at least one uh, attempt to do like an Irish pub. But yeah, why not make the entire town out of the Irish pub? Well, that's the thing. It's like it can't be Irish or Italian because there's too much of that going on in America. That's already. true. We don't want to encourage yeah. these people. Yeah. We don't want to create some sort of little uh, little mecca for all of the most spuriously ethnic Americans to show up and cry about uh, like conflicts they have nothing to do with uh, or pretend they're in the mafia or something. Okay, yeah, okay. like, like German, like like New Jersey, basically is that that entire state is like okay. if you're Irish or Italian, they I, already have you covered. If this happens, if we get this negative externality, well, I think that Israel is probably still going to try to buy its white people from Russia, you know, squawking <laughs> in the media, notwithstanding. But if it, you know, if it goes further, if it goes further sideways, and they're like, we're done, we're boycotting buying white people from Russia to win our demographic war. If you are too enthusiastic in one of these towns, you are sent to Israel to be white, <laughs> to out, outbreed Arabs. And then we could have a, like a little French village, uh, and it would it would the, the the gimmick there would be that you were allowed to just like throw things at everyone who lived there. Like the the locals would wear like berets and they would drive around on like bikes with a baguette and the and the thing. And the rule is like when you come into town, you get like a big bag of rotten fruit or whatever. And you can just pelt them with it, and you can get out your weird uh, hatred of French people that you. Yeah, but what is it? Yeah. What is that? What does that have to offer the townspeople? Uh, they pay for the oh, privilege. Okay, yeah, it's so. basically like the guy uh, uh, at Coney Island who like would come out and just get shot with paintballs. Yeah, the great thing is because you don't have to limit this to a uh, present day version of that country. You can do any period in history. It's yeah. nonstop. That's like true. if you want to go to like the Austro-Hungarian Empire town, yes. you can go. Now in let's just another shitty town in Northern California. I would like Austro-Hungarian. That'd be good. <laughs> Fresno. Yeah, Fresno, Fresno is yeah. now the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Yeah, yeah, everywhere where Dan Quinn has like um, challenged someone to a race in a parking lot is <laughs> now like a different <laughs> historical period. Yeah, you can do like there should be. I feel like upstate New York could handle the troubles. Theme town. <laughs> yeah, put that in like Corming, Corming Elmira. Sure, yeah. It's troubled enough up there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they need to be Belfast yeah, lean in, into the, it. in the fucking 70s. Yeah. All right, well, to uh, close out today's episode, I thought we'd uh, maybe, maybe go back to the Ukraine. Uh, check in on uh, on someone who's uh, I, I, he's an, he's an all star when it comes to foreign policy thinking, uh, economic thinking. I'm talking about uh, no opinion, no opinion. Uh, he has a Substack now, and let's just check in on him. He was okay. 
uh, I'm, I'm choosing him because he was the one who was saying on, on Twitter that like um, th- this is World War Three, like this is exactly like you know like this is Hitler 2.0, and then people were like, well, well you know, he was like, I, you know, I want to contribute any way I can, and then someone was like, you could, you know, yeah, join the army, join the army, like you go could do join, it. The, these- apparently, they are taking volunteers now, and you, you it, could- this is perfect because. Everyone has a chance to put up or shut up if they want. And you know, and then his attitude, his his answer was like, "I have various health problems, but I could, (laughs) I could learn to fly a drone. I'm very good with engineering, and like you know, I could be an attaché to an officer. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like hanging around. (laughs) I could chill. I could go. I could vibe. I could, uh, I could stay in the corner so that I was not an active hindrance. I think That's anyone I mean. could be an attaché to an officer if they really wanted to. That does to. really sound like not a very difficult gig. Yeah, I could follow anyone around if my mind was really set on it. <laughs> if I was committed <laughs> to the cause, I could absolutely yeah. just stand one foot step behind someone while they sat in a meeting. If you need someone to spill 7-Up Zero on a console. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I definitely do think that he would not be terribly useful uh, on the front lines. Like, at a certain point, you know, just having the gun is is not that helpful if he doesn't know how to use it. Well, he's a, you know he's he's waging the war of ideas, and here on Substack, it's, he writes, "This is a moment of clarity. The Russian invasion of Ukraine should wake us up." Um, would you? Okay, check this out. This essay begins with a quote. You're never going to guess who it's from. Uh, Churchill. Close. George Orwell. Oh fuck! God damn <laughs> this it! Is all sleeping the deep, deep oh, sleep of England, fuck. from which I sometimes fear that we shall never wake till we are jerked out of it by the roar of bombs. George Orwell's. Homage to Catalonia. Okay, so it begins, a few events create as much moral clarity as the unprovoked brutal invasion of a peaceful nation by a militaristic empire. I mean, if you're not, if, if you don't like them, I mean, what does he think about when is, uh, Palestinians try to resist uh, a fucking invasion? What is he, is, is, is that a, a, a moment of total moral clarity or is it just more complicated stuff that you can't really uh, yeah. pick good guys and bad guys out of? Uh, it says, uh, it's the backdrop of the driving, uh, it's the backdrop or the driving conflict of so many of our stories. Star Wars, Casablanca, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> The Sound of Music. Yes. <laughs> Precisely because it creates heroes and villains so easily and automatically. On one side, the haughty iron-fisted dictator with his legions of destruction. On the other side, children hiding underground while their parents make a desperate stand to protect their homeland. Is he talking about Ukraine or Lord of the Rings right now? <laughs> it's all basically the same thing. I think that's the pitch here. Yeah. Is that like you don't actually have to consider any of the real world uh, implications or shadings. Just pick your favorite uh, television or, or uh, literary fantasy world and just live there. I am more captivated by a certain Norwegian musician's insistence <laughs> that the Pope is the real life Sauron <laughs> and Jewish. <laughs> the story of Russia's invasion of Ukraine fits that archetype perfectly. Ukraine wasn't threatening Russia in any way. Ukraine never fired a shot into their neighbor, even though that neighbor had already carved off pieces of their country in 2004 and subjected them to a grinding eight-year war. Uh, Putin simply declared that Ukraine is historically part of Russia and sent in his troops. Soon, Russian missiles were blasting practically every city in Ukraine. Russian tanks were rolling into Ukrainian cities, and Ukrainian children were hiding in bomb shelters. Ukraine's military, despite their greater numbers, is desperately overmatched with practically no long-range weapons capable of silencing Russia's barrage of rocket artillery, cruise missiles, and ballistic missiles. But they're still fighting hard, holding out on some fronts and winning a few battles even as Russians push deeper into the country and shell the capital ferociously. The Ukrainian resistance will probably forever be symbolized by the defenders of Snake Island, who, when ordered to surrender by, Russian, real. by a Russian warship, replied, <laughs> Russian warship, go fuck yourself, and died to the last No, man. they did not. The audio of this exchange is here. Okay, Okay. enjoy enjoy that fake thing that didn't happen. It turns out the people who derisively predicted that Ukraine would simply fold understood very little about that country or its people. Unlike me. Unlike me, (laughs) yeah. Meanwhile, morale seems to not be particularly high on the Russian side. The leader of a Russian tactical unit that surrendered to the Ukrainians protested, we didn't want to kill anyone. Russia still has an overwhelming advantage in long-range weaponry, armor, air power, and manpower, but this thing isn't over yet. I will give him uh, that the morale of the Russians is probably low, mainly because they're Russian. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've never seen a joyful Russian in my life. Yeah. Like, the, the, like the, the, there's not a lot of W's going around uh, being a Russian in the modern era. Yeah. When Fedor Emelianenko would win uh, open weight and heavyweight tournaments and pride fighting championships, it looked like he 
he, he someone had told him, "Oh, you're on your tenth sandwich punch card." <laughs> he's like, "Oh, this one's free." Okay, he just won like half a million dollars. Out here in the wider world, though, the Russian invasion is sparking a needed moment of clarity. For the last two decades, we've been sleepwalking through various dreams of our own creation, willfully blind to the dangers that we're gathering out in the real world. It's time for those dreams to end now. The alarm clock is ringing. The series of great power wars that began with World War I in 1914 and ended with the armistice in Korea in 1952 represented a flood of blood unprecedented in human history. But for more than a half a century after that nightmare ended, American and Soviet power, and after 1991, just American power, stabilized international borders, legitimized the rights of small countries, and generally suppressed major interstate conflict. That long piece, as some historians call it, created the space for global trade, investment, and migration to flourish, creating an economic boom that benefited first the developed nations, and after 1990 or so, the developing nations as well. That long piece was dealt a critical blow in 2003 when the U.S. invaded Iraq on flimsy pretenses. Oops. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't flimsy pretenses. It was entirely fictitious pretenses that was known to everyone uh, of, of consequence at the time. I mean, the people making the decision to go to war as well as, you know, any anyone with half a fucking brain. Um, unlike the Vietnam War. OK, this is this is this, this is the money graph here. OK. Unlike the Vietnam War in which we intervened in a civil war. Or the Afghanistan war, in which we retaliated for an attack on our soil, the Iraq war was undertaken with only a fig leaf of nonproliferation supported by obviously flimsy intelligence as an excuse. What, unlike the Vietnam yeah. War? No, no, yeah, the Gulf of Tonkin, that, that was another thing. That was just as real as the Snake Island deal. Hundreds of thousands died, most of them innocents, and the U.S. reputation as a guarantor of international peace and stability was grievously wounded. No! We were the militaristic empire. Iraqis are the ones cowering in bomb shelters. Indeed. But the U.S. didn't conquer Iraq. <laughs> Iraq is an independent country more closely allied with the U.S.'s main regional rival, Iran. Putin's seizure... That's because we fucked it up. Because we did a bad job of the thing we were trying to do. Yeah, I mean, don't like, worry. We made up for it with a certain enthusiastic volunteer group later. <laughs> yeah, one with um, you know, world historic cutting edge branding. <laughs> uh, Putin's seizure and annexation of Crimea in 2014 was different because it represented a great power using its military might to add to its territory. I mean, also, like they literally are right next to each other, you know, and like Crimea was only part of Ukraine for like 50 years and like they're historically like deeply connected and it says, as opposed to us just going halfway around the fucking world to blow up Iraq. And it goes, uh, yeah, we would never do something like go into Mexico. like that. Yeah, <laughs> but it says it represented a great power using its military might to add to its territory, something even the USSR hadn't done since World War Two. I mean, I could think of one example of a country using its military might to add to its territory. It just happens to have a special relationship with this country. Yeah. Still, not that many died in the conquest of Crimea. More died in the war started by the Russian-supported separatist movement in the Donbass, but at least that had the fig leaf of civil war. He goes back to these goddamn fig he leaves. He loves fig leaves. The guy can't get enough. <laughs> He's if, you need to, if you are in a classical painting situation and you need to cover your genitals, find me a better leaf. <laughs> The Russian invasion of Ukraine is different both quantitatively and qualitatively. It represents a great power simply declaring that a weaker country has no sovereignty, and invading it is based on nothing more than irredentism and dictatorial pick. Whether or not Putin declares any additional pieces of Ukraine to be part of the Russian Federation, the norm that kept the peace since World War II, the idea that great powers are guarantors of the inviolability of weaker countries' borders, is no longer a universal norm. And the invasion also shows that although America can presumably still defend its treaty allies, it does not have the power to prevent other great powers from having their way with weaker countries within their sphere of influence. The law of the jungle is returned, and the strong will dominate the weak if they see fit. This will have several ripple effects. First, it will dramatically increase the incentives for nuclear, nuclear proliferation. Recall that Ukraine gave up its nukes in 1994 in return for a worthless guarantee of security from the Russian Federation. Countries whose territory is men menaced by powerful neighbors, Japan, South Korea, Vietnam, and so on, will now be thinking very hard about whether to get nukes of their own. So the, the post-World War II moment, a sort of extended after-party for the world to recover from the great catastrophe of the modern age, is now over. Perhaps it was always destined to end once the generation who lived through it passed on. I think they should give every country a nuke. That would certainly create a certain pa parity. Literally, like one nuke per country. Like you're, yeah, seen the United Nations, you have one nuclear weapon, and uh, the guy, your UN, 
your UN ambassador carries it around with him. All right. Well, okay, here's what, here's what he, <laughs> I mean, that is literally Skullface's solution in Metal Gear Solid 5. And if they had gotten another year to finish that game, we might have seen if it worked. <laughs> Uh, here, here's what, here, here's where Noah's going in. Uh, the leftists wake up. From oh, their dang it. Here we go. Oh, no. I hate when I get the business from no opinion. Oh, no. The Iraq war was one of the main things that revitalized the American left. In the wake of that war, they adopted many theories for why wars and conflicts happen. Most of them warmed over Chomsky. <laughs> I like my, I like my Chomsky on ice. Okay. <laughs> uh, and believe that these theories and believe these theories deeply without much hard evidence. Those theories, which blame the American military industrial complex as the source of most, in parentheses, all question mark wars seem to serve well during a time when the post-World War II norms still held and U.S. power reigned supreme. And because they subscribed to those theories, many leftists got the Russia-Ukraine conflict very, very wrong until the moment Russia recognized the breakaway regions of Donbass, making it a certainty that Russia would invade. They treated the whole thing as a show. Convinced that Putin was simply posturing, they felt safe and flagellating the U.S. for NATO expansion that happened over a decade ago. But to their credit, after the missiles began to fall down on innocent Ukrainians' heads, many leftists woke up. Matt Taibbi, for example, published a <laughs> Frank Mea culpa on his blog. Uh, leftist Twitch streamer Hassan Piker did so as well. <laughs> Others haven't apologized, but have switched their rhetoric decisively toward con condemnation of Russia. Meanwhile, in the UK, Jeremy Corbyn continues to blame the West for the war, but his entire party has now abandoned him. And then he quotes a tweet from Oz Katarshi. <laughs> This about face has not been universal. Jacobin, for example, continues to blame the U.S. for Putin's aggression. And when Bernie Sanders condemned Putin without equivocation, some of his anonymous online supporters jumped to attack and disavow him for this laudable move. But most, most, mostly the roar of Putin's bombs seems to have jolted the left from their sleep. In 2022, with the fucking war in Europe happening, be, to be able to fucking find time and space to, to talk about the bros still, some people... I guess 2016 will never end. Like it just dug a groove in their brain that can never be uh, cauterized. It's amazing. And you know, like I mean, I I'm, I'm sure he's loving this because you know people who didn't expect Russia to invade or, or or were talking about the fact that the United States government and NATO has certainly like escalated this conflict or or led Ukraine down a path that would make a situation like this more likely to happen and are now cheering on you know like in any violence that um, ensues as a result of this. But you know, like. Like I said, when you're right nine out of every 10 times, look, you know, you're going to be wrong one out of every 10 times. And it seems like Noah has spent, because, you know, I think he's about my age. I think he spent his entire life being wrong about everything. Yeah. He, well, he, he gets his, I mean, he, I guess he, he's he gets right take a little victory lap now. I guess the victory lap is that, like, the invasion happened. But I'm sorry. I don't know how you can make sense of this fucking war without the context of NATO expansion as, the, like, the underlying like a uh, strategic reality that Putin and everything else is uh, operating in or, or to go back before that, uh, America and the rest of the West explicitly creating conditions that allowed for a Putin. I mean, they fucking picked him. Yeah. They were like, they need a strong man. Like we've literally, we've gutted their, uh, their entire public sector and sold it off to criminals. Like what are they going to have? What, what can you have if you've gotten rid of any kind of, progressive project nationalism is all that's left and so you need somebody who's going to be that nationalist strongman they just thought that he'd be uh he would be able to operate as a nationalist strongman like within a greater umbrella of american power but you know as things get worse uh that relationship becomes untenable yeah i mean far from waking you up and making you join some broad coalition that's retweeting the you know water balloon full of paint thread uh this should i guess you know make go you make you go from non-interventionist to, to full-on isolationist yeah just wanting america to be in an autarky because we clearly cannot handle anything i mean seriously it's like if we can't maintain hegemony uh for uh the market and we can't even maintain the supply the precious supply chains that allow for uh us to be uh you know a consumer uh, empire you gotta fucking just literally throw up the borders everywhere get rid of don't get rid of the army just bring them all home and just put them to work at factories and have <laughs> the military in charge of like reindustrializing america so that we can supply our own stuff because everything else every other element of like the global order that we're supposed to be quarterbacking is clearly just the falling to pieces yeah no we were given free reign in the heart of our former adversary and we just we caused the 
we caused ourselves to relive the past uh, 50 years, but shittier because this time we didn't have to offer any concessions to people at home because yeah. there was no ideology that was competing against it. Okay, Just to, to close out, uh, no opinion here. He writes, um, for 40 years in the first half of the 20th century, nightmare regimes stormed across the world, wreaking devastation on anyone without the strength to resist them. But the world came through that crisis, and the great powers of the time developed norms that stopped <laughs> the destruction. In the wake of that great act of responsibility and wisdom, the world for 70 years enjoyed the greatest flourishing of prosperity, culture, and human achievement in all history. Now those norms are gone, torn up by jealous, petty men who never lived to see what a world ruled by the law of the jungle is like. We may yet reestablish the norm. Putin didn't see that. I'm pretty sure he like he. Th th that's when he became Vladimir Putin. Yeah, is in the jungle. More of a jungle than you will ever see in your life. We may yet reestablish the norms of inviolable, inviolable borders and the rights of small countries, but this will take risk and effort and blood. The blood of the Ukrainians now to be the first to be spilled. The crisis of the 21st century is upon us, and we must go into this crisis with open eyes, discarding the illusions we spun for our own consumption when we took peace for granted. We can no longer afford to treat our wealthy liberal society as a fatted calf to be slaughtered and parceled out by faction. No, but we can't. We can't afford to treat you like that. No. <laughs> I mean, I, good luck, man. If you're, if you're, if the thing that you're trying to defend is Western consumer capitalism, uh, and and say this is now what we have to fight for, uh, I'm sorry, that's just not going to work because the whole push there, the entire uh, uh, appeal of that model is that you don't have to fight for it. That's like the one thing that makes it appealing is that hey, at least you. Don't have to worry about, you know, actually being in physical danger. Sure, you know, you are essentially a hamster. You know, you, you have any rig meaningful ability to, you know, control the, 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 the shape of your life and express yourself and your, your uh, you know, uh, assert yourself in the world. That's all completely uh, forsworn and, and you are channeled into incredibly narrow and increasingly narrow uh, consumer choices as your only ability to express yourself. But you're safe. You get to be a safe little veal calf while that's happening. Uh, saying, yeah, you still are going to live in this liberal consumer, this dead uh, consumer empire, but also you have to, what, pick up a fucking uh, AR-15 and go shoot it out with fucking... And Noah's not even going to do that. He said he wanted to be a drone pilot for for Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah, taking off from what runway exactly? <laughs> um, yeah, and also the point of this you know, last 30 years of the American empire is specifically, you do not have to think about it. Yeah. Well, not last 30 years, about last 15 after it became too hard to look at, uh, it was able to be kept going by the fact that most Americans do not ever want to think or care about foreign policy. Yes. And that is not going to change. And well, this way I, 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 um, there, there has been some supposed groundswell of American unity for this great new project of defending our way of life. I should remind people that you are only seeing people who read the exact same media you do, which is an incredibly small group. This is still the exact same country where like half of the people here think that Bono was secretly killed in 2019 in a military tribunal. It's the exact same place. Well, I, th I think Noah, like uh, I think he enjoys this, this moment of this moment of crisis because I think it allows him to uh, retrofit essentially like his, his political and ideological view of the world, which is essentially uh, socially liberal, fiscally conservative, yeah. and make that seem like it's a dynamic force that's worth fighting for again. Because, you know, I guess like in his, his opinion, like the alternative is the law of the jungle. But like, I'm sorry, it's the law of the jungle for every country outside the sphere of the United States. Yeah. And it's the law of the jungle because that's what we impose on them. Yeah. Because, you know, like that, that is that our fatted calf is fat because we create conditions that are the law of the jungle for the rest of the fucking planet. It right. is also the jungle in a lot of places in this country that are cut out of that deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if people are going to fight, they're going to be fight for something a lot. They're not going to fight for uh, the fucking at airy liberal fucking non-ideology the 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 uh imagined non-ideology uh that that uh no opinions of the world uh think is worth defending so like if they need to if you really do think the 21st century is going to be like this this uh the red and tooth and cloth thing you got to find something worth fighting for because that's just not going to be it what do you think what do you think yeah, boys? Yeah. yeah all right that'll do it yeah okay good with me all right well um 
that does it for today's episode. Uh, Nashville, we will see you soon. Yep. Hope it's to, still there. Nashville. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only target on Russian <laughs> nuclear weapons. They think that's the heart of American power. They have to. They have to destroy our strategic uh, bridesmaids reserves. <laughs> <laughs> that was our Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> <laughs> bastards. Uh, yeah, but uh, Nashville, we'll uh, see you soon, and I uh, hope to see you at our show. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. All right. Great. All right, you guys want to get a barbecue? Yeah. I have to get this one here. Okay. <laughs>